Well, let me catch you guys up to speed on some things. It's been a real interesting past two weeks. Two weeks ago, if you're here with us today the first time, we uh, ended up canceling service for the first time, I think, in like over five years. And apparently my prayers were not strong enough to push that snow back another 24 hours as hard as I tried. But uh, we trust that all of you are safe on that Sunday and warm and enjoyed your time with your family. The following Sunday, which was last week, boy, I tell you, how incredible was that just to be at the feet of the Lord. And uh, if you're new with us, you'll, you'll, you'll soon discover that we place a high priority on the pursuit of Jesus. And we place a high priority on making him first in all things that we do. And that means that our agenda is always second. And uh, we always come prepared. We don't do things in a sloppy manner. We're always prepared. And we wanna do things in a very excellent manner as worship and glory unto God. But when we discern that the Lord may want to do something very special and whatever that may be, he, he may want to uh, move into a time of healing. He may just want us to sit and behold him and adore him and sit at his feet and love upon him and look upon him. Then that's what we're gonna do. And there was a real specific moment uh, last week when uh, one of my young associates came ready to transition to service and I felt, you know, I just feel like the Lord is saying, hold on, if you would, I, I wanna take this a little bit further. And uh, at that time, as I got on my face, I just had a real strong impression of the Lord. Man, we're not to move, we're just to, we're just to be before him. And uh, I apologize for not getting up and giving that verbal direction. Uh, it would have been good to get up and say, hey guys, hey family, let's just, you know, let's relax in the presence of the Lord because we're gonna be here for a while. So uh, that's a big takeaway for me, but I, I got to a place on my face and I just didn't wanna move from that place of, uh, of worshiping God. So I wanna thank you for being a house and for being a people that will go there uh, with me and go there with God and say, God, we're prioritizing you always. And I think that's one of the unique things that makes us who we are. And uh, that's not an elitist statement or a comparative statement. It's just a recognition of the unique DNA that God has put in this house. We are pursuers of, of Jesus and we're pursuers of his heart. Along those lines, I want, to, I want to reiterate what David mentioned as far as our Sunday night gatherings are. Uh, as far as I know, our gatherings on Sunday evenings uh, will take place till June. And the reason why that is is at the end of the year, we had a prophetic word that came forward that essentially said that these next six months, there is a grace and a momentum to pursue God in an unprecedented manner. And the way that we press into God and pursue him in these six months will determine the rest of our lives. I believe that there are things that can happen. And I believe this because I've seen it happen in my life before. And I'm sure many of you can look back on the benchmarks and the milestones and on the altars of your life where you knew that from that moment on, you were radically changed. That something happened, whether it was a revelation or an encounter with God or a different way of seeing life, you were radically changed from that moment on. And I, I have such faith that in these next six months, to the degree that we press into God, he has engineered, he has already preordained, he has written into the script of our lives moments with him that will change the course of our lives. I've been very fascinated with a concept here in the past couple of days. And uh, the concept comes out of a very real story. Five years ago, when Apostle Dutch came to Christy and me, and he approached us with the opportunity to lead this house f further and, and forward, uh, there was another minister, there was another minister and another man that Apostle Dutch was praying into. And rightly so, he was wanting to find the right person to hand the leadership and the stewardship of this ministry off to.
And in the event, and I'm not exactly sure how everything shook down behind closed doors, I just know that there was another man that could have been leading this ministry forward. And as I was having a very pertinent conversation about this with a, with a friend of mine, this person said, had you said no, my life would have been radically different. And, uh, and then this person proceeded to tell me about a Bible study in the book of Esther. And I'm going somewhere with this. Just follow me here for a second. In the book of Esther, you know, as we, as we look at the book of Esther and we study out the acts of the book of Esther, there was an entire nation entire generation and multiple generations that were literally saved. In other words, the course of their lives were radically altered because one night a king couldn't sleep. That that doesn't say that there were radical times of seeking God or that there was incredible moments of crying out to God for deliverance. Scripture just says that there was one night where a king couldn't sleep. Nobody knew that this king couldn't sleep. Uh, There were no prophetic words given to the fact that this king couldn't sleep, a seemingly insignificant moment where a king couldn't sleep. Now, who knows? I think as we draw back the veil, we might find that there were remnants of people that were praying for the king to have encounters with God. There were probably people who were fasting and praying for the king to have revelation. The scripture is silent on that. It's mere speculation. But what we do know is in a seemingly insignificant moment had incredible impact for an entire nation. There are decisions that happen in your daily life that seem insignificant, but the ripple effect of those decisions are changing people's lives. They are literally changing the course of people's lives. Your small acts of obedience are changing the course of somebody else's destiny. It's the ripple effect of obedience. It's the domino effect of obedience. Your one yes, many, many, many moments down the line could result in someone else's yes that literally shapes the culture of eternity. And so the reason I bring that to your attention is because I believe that there are many moments in these six months now, which is only four months, March, April, May, June. There are many moments I believe that God has already orchestrated. Ephesians 2.10 says this. It says that we were created for good works and that he has already planned good works out in advance for us to walk in. In other words, he has written into the script of your life encounters with him. I believe in these four months, there are encounters that God has literally prescribed. He has already pre-engineered them. He has designed these days for there to be radical encounters. And on some days, those encounters, you may look and you you may say, that was an encounter that I know marked me. But there there may be encounters that may not seem as profound, but trust me, friend, today, that those, those encounters are equally as profound to the shaping of your life. Well, I've got a few minutes here and I want to exhort you very quickly uh, to give you a little bit of context of what I'm gonna speak on today. During our 21-day fast, we do a 21-day fast every year. It's been our fifth year that we've engaged in a corporate 21-day fast. And during this 21-day fast, I felt the Lord put a very particular assignment upon us that I believe will become a standard here at Antioch. And that is that during that fast, we are to seek God specifically as a body on the things that he is inviting us into for the year. And many of you participated with us in that from the men's ministry to all the those who are in life group, to our life group leaders, GC participated with us in that. So grateful for that. And then we also had a time on a Sunday morning where we got quiet before the Lord. And we just asked God, what are the invitations that you have for us in 2015? I just wanna break, break real quick. Deborah Brittle, I wanna make sure I pray for you after service. 
I just had you in my heart all week, so I want to pray for you. Sorry, I saw your face and I didn't want to miss that. So there are some things that God has invited us into in the year 2015. And uh, what that process looked like essentially is through all these different smaller units, we had people engage in a time of listening prayer where they got quiet before the Lord and they just very simply wrote down the things that they felt like God was speaking to us. And then our assignment was to take all of those different words and to find out what the crossover themes were. And it's very, very interesting that there were many areas of crossover. It's beautiful when God speaks to a corporate body, what he says to each of us individually is connected to something he's saying to someone else. And essentially what we find as we pull back and see the tapestry of God's voice, what we discover is that God is speaking to all of us through all of us. And so what I want to do today is I want to, I want to, if I have time, I want to expound upon two of the prayer targets for 2015. There's eight total. We're going to take our pursue nights. We're going to tease these out a little bit more in our pursue nights on Sunday evenings. But I want to take two. And the first of those two is that number one, God is inviting us to believe him this year for greater God encounters. Greater God encounters. Let me read some of the words that were associated with this. God assignments, intimacy, a greater time of hearing and listening. We'll make all of these things available online for you. A greater time of activation as we encounter him, that new ministries would spring forth through these God encounters. That this is a time and a season to behold Jesus. This is a time and a season to behold Jesus. Uh, one person had a word in Psalm 23, which says, I will set a table before you, the table of my presence. You may pick freely from my table. The more you sit, the more you get. There is enough here at my table to satisfy your biggest needs. Whether you are snacking or feasting, it is up to you what you eat and how much from the table of my presence. This is a year of very specific encounters with God. I can remember, and I know that there's been frequent times I've shared my story here in the house, but the summer between my junior and senior year, I had an encounter with God that I believe in many ways I'm still reaping the fruit of that particular encounter. It changed the course of my life. It was literally a Damascus Road encounter, barring the killing Christians part. It was a moment in life that... I encountered God in an altar and I got up from that altar and I was literally a different man. And I believe that the Lord is hiding some of those encounters for us. It was totally unexpected. I didn't know that God had that in store for me. I wasn't even asking him for it. But the posture and position of my heart was so for God and towards God that he surprised me by hiding an encounter with him on a Wednesday night service by a song that my youth pastor wrote called I Want to Be Broken. And rising from that altar two hours later from that service, the pool, just a pool of tears on that altar, I was literally a different man. And that shaped the course of my life. It determined the college I went to. It determined um, uh, the things that I engaged in. It determined the woman I married. It determined me being here and uh, so on and so forth. So this is a year of very specific encounters with God. And we need to pray into that. We need to understand that these are things that God is revealing to us because they're invitations. They're invitations to us. They're not automatic. Doesn't mean that we have to get into this place of fleshly striving unto God, but it does mean that by faith, if he said that he wants to do it by faith, we now need to participate and get an alignment and agreement. You said that you wanna encounter us, we say yes. 
You said that you want to encounter us, we're going to make appointments with you. You said that you want to encounter us, we're going to meet you on a Sunday night. You said that you want to encounter us, we're going to carve out specific times because we're going to take you for your word. If you said you're going to meet with us, we're going to meet with you. And, and that's the, the posture of our heart in response to that. I am sharpening sensitivity to my voice. I'm sharpening sensitivity to my voice. For those of you who feel that you have a difficult time hearing the voice of God, that you feel you have a difficult time recognizing whether or not what you're hearing is you or the enemy or God, take heart because God says, I am sharpening your sensitivity to my voice. I will lead you, I will guide you in the way that you're to go. And one of the great ways that we learn how to sharpen our sensitivity to the voice of God is by learning to be still in the presence of God. Disciplining our soul and our mind to get quiet. I'm learning here lately to spend more time just being quiet before the Lord. Posturing my heart towards him, but disciplining my soul to be silent. I am better defining the line between God's voice and the enemy's voice. This year you will host my presence as never before. You will host my presence as never before. You know, for those of you who were here in the year of 2008, there was a word that came forward. It's a prophetic word. And that prophetic word was for 90 days at that time, Freedom Church. Freedom Church, you're to host my presence. And under the leadership of Apostle Dutch Sheets, we shut down everything in the house, everything. Youth services, college services, we still had children's going on, but every other auxiliary ministry, we shut it all down. And uh, in the building that we were in, we put a playlist on, in the evenings we had live worship, but it was a time of what we called hosting the presence of the Lord. In the scriptures, we find the story of a man by the name of David, who by the time he had become king, the ark of God's covenant, which represented his tangible presence, had been taken captive by the Philistines. And David, his heart was so for God, his heart was so for the presence of the Lord that when he became king, he understood that in order for there to be national victory, there must first be spiritual victory. In order for them to have rulership, they first had to have the ark of God's presence with them. And so he went in pursuit. He had, he had heard that uh, the ark had found its way to a house by the, name, man of a, by the name of a man named Obed-Edom. And uh, the rumor was, was that Obed-Edom's household was blessed because the ark of God had come to his house. Now imagine being Obed-Edom. Imagine being the one who out of all the families, who out of all the homes in the entire nation of Israel, somehow this Ark of the Covenant with all of its rich tradition and history and significant spiritual implications, not the least of which is the very tangible presence of God is coming to your house. Friends, I want you to know today that the Ark of God's Covenant can come to your house. And not only can it, but it desires to. It desires to rest and abide in your home. It desires to rest and abide at your table. And it desires to rest and abide in the intimacy of your marriage and the relationship with your children. The presence of God is not something that needs to be unfamiliar to us. God wants his presence, not in a negative way, but he wants, he wants us to become familiar with his presence. 
Not familiar in the sense that we take it for granted, but familiar in the sense that we learn how to recognize it. And we learn how to recognize when it's not there. You know, the children of Israel had come to a place where they took the ark of God's presence for granted. And so they ended up going through external charades, assuming that God's just, just having the box was enough. And, and what they discovered was that just having the box wasn't enough. Just having the form, just having the religious artifacts or the symbolism or the ritual, it wasn't enough. What they needed was God himself. And God is saying, I want to come to you in a very special way this year. One of my prayers as I was walking through our corporate fast together was, God, don't let me just go back to the way things were. And so I am, I am hard into the heart of God again to say, Lord, show me personally and show us what our next step is, what our next step of pursuit in you is. And I'm asking you to join me as, as we pursue God to what that might be. Isaiah chapter 33, verse 17. Isaiah 33, 17 was one of the words that came forward. And I can see now I'm just gonna to get to one of these points today. That our eyes will see the king and his beauty. Your eyes will see the king and his beauty and a view a land that stretches afar. One of the things that we're wanting in this time, and I, I think I know God enough to know that when he says six months, it, it really is just... Uh, it's just an opportunity to build something inside of us that will last a lifetime. And I so know inside of my spirit that he's wanting to fascinate us with the undiscovered riches of who Jesus is. That there are things in Christ that we have glossed over. Many of us haven't even been aware that those things exist in Jesus. And I think what God is trying to do and there's many strategic reasons for why he wants to do this, all of which I don't think are disclosed at this moment. But he is strategically inviting us to discover Jesus because it is in the discovery of Jesus that something gets built deep inside of us that enables us to endure hardship. Let me say that another way. When we recognize the value, when we recognize the value of this pearl of great price and we truly have revelation of his worth, then whatever we have to discard in order to gain the riches of that heavenly kingdom, whatever we have to discard in order to gain more of Christ, it's easy because we have revelation of his worth. And I sense that that is what Jesus is leading us into. Come and to discover more of me Discover more of my riches, more of my beauty. Discover more of my worth. And as you discover more of my worth, it will propel you into greater pursuit. The more I seek you, the more I find you, the more I find you, the more I'm just undone by you. And the more I'm undone by you, the more I've got to seek you. And in the, more I, in the more I seek you, the more I'll find you. And the more I find you, the more you'll show me something else that just, it just causes me to be undone all over again. And it sends me into another layer, into another cycle of pursuit. In the same way that there there are cycles of sin that we can engage in. There are cycles of encounter with God. There are cycles of pursuit that God has for us. I love that your eyes will see the king in his beauty. Father, we're asking you today that you, by your spirit, Holy Spirit, would you escort us and would you lead us and take us by the hand and lead us into the beauty of Jesus. Not a Jesus of culture, not a historical Jesus, 
not a religious Jesus, but the Jesus who sits at the right hand of God, the Jesus whose eyes are like fire, the fire of your judgment, the fire of your intensity, the fire of your gaze. We wanna behold that. We wanna look into that. Lord, we don't wanna be satisfied with low level living. As your word says, lift up your eyes, lift up your eyes, set your eyes on things above. Father, I'm asking you today for a special grace to set our eyes on things above. And whatever fear that we may have, whatever fear that we may have, that the more we pursue you, the more you will, you will ask us to let go of things. It just reveals the idolatry of our heart. It reveals, God, how our worldly passions betray us. It reveals, really, that these things mean more to us than you do. But when we truly discover you, God, we'll discover that you were so much more worth the low-level pleasures of this life. And I'm asking you today by your spirit that you would grace us with a special grace and that you would give unto us a special revelation to discover you, Jesus, to discover the king in all of his beauty. One of the words says that we will have throne room encounters. And uh, Sunday nights, I believe, will be nights where we unpack a lot of these things scripturally. But this is these, these are prophetic trumpets that are going forward, church. These are prophetic trumpets that we will have throne room encounters. I know enough to know that every encounter with God is for a very strategic purpose. I know enough to know that when God says, I wanna bring you up to my throne room to show you my beauty, it's not just for us alone. There is a harvest attached to this. There's a city attached to this. There, there is steadfastness in the midst of tribulation attached to things like discovering the beauty of Jesus. It's amazing when you begin to survey many of the prophets who had difficult words, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Daniel, many of these prophets who had very, very difficult words to deliver to the people of Israel. We discover a pattern that these men always encountered the beauty realm of God first. They always encountered the depths and the riches of God. They were brought into the throne room of God. You can study this throughout all the prophets. In fact, at one point, Jeremiah was lying in a pit and he said, you tricked me. You tricked me. He was, he was crying out to God. And then he essentially said, how can I not deliver your word now? You pulled me up. You showed me your beauty. You showed me how much you're worth. And then you gave me this difficult word. And now your word's like a fire burning in my bones. And now how could I not say what you want me to say? You tricked me by showing me yourself. Listen, listen, listen. This year, God wants to show us who he is. Some of you have, some of you have difficult words that you need to deliver. Some of you have difficult things that you need to pray. Some of you have difficult assignments that you need to walk out. Some of you will be caregivers and caretakers in some very difficult situations. Some of you, I'm telling you today, how do you endure? You don't endure by a, a mere willpower. You endure by coming into the throne room of God and beholding him and saying, I can fulfill your assignment because I've seen you and you're worth it. And as long as I can see you, as long as I can gaze into the depths of your beauty, and we're not talking about rhetoric here, we're talking about reality. We're talking about a very real throne and a very real God and a very real encounter with him that will leave us absolutely changed. I'm gonna, I need to borrow five minutes. In the book of Exodus chapter three, 
we find a man who is running. And if you're not familiar with the passage of scripture, it's a man by the name of Moses who 40 years prior killed a man thinking that he was actually fulfilling the call of God in his life to be a deliverer to his people. It's a great picture of us assuming to fulfill the assignment of God in our own, in our own strength, in our own ability. And after 40 years of wandering and after 40 years of doing difficult things, monotonous things, again, on a day that he didn't expect it, here's the thing that excites me. Here's the thing that excites me is that when you least expect it, on a day that looks like any other day, on a night when a king just couldn't fall asleep, on a day where everything, you've already, you've already mapped out your week, you've already got your day timer filled out, but God says, I have hidden an encounter with you. And number one, I am believing that there are burning bush encounters that God has for us. Maybe not literal burning bushes, but an encounter with you. He has this for you. I'm telling you, he has this for you. He has this for you. He is saying, now Moses didn't know that this was waiting, but you can know that it's waiting. Now we're held accountable for it. He has this for you. He is saying, I wanna meet you like I met Moses. And in a moment of time, in a moment of time, a man who was insecure, a man who was hardened, a man who was broken, a man who was listless, a man who was lost, a man who had relegated the rest of his life to watching sheep in a moment, he was, his destiny that was impregnated inside of him was activated in a moment, in a moment. In a moment, I believe that in a moment, the very reason why God put Moses on the earth he pushed a button inside of him and it came into being. And it wasn't a book that he read and it wasn't a seminar that he attended. It was a face-to-face -face encounter with the living God. And some of you are beating your head up against a wall saying, why am I not getting breakthrough? Because your breakthrough is in the throne room. Your breakthrough is in the throne room. Your breakthrough is in the throne room. That's where it is. He has hidden a breakthrough for you in an encounter. Because when you get the encounter, there are things that have already been pre-programmed inside of you. They've already been hardwired. And don't you know that your destiny has already been hardwired into your DNA? It's already been hardwired in there. And there are certain things that will, will, will only get the fires, the synapses firing within the DNA of your destiny. And it's in the throne room of God. We find later a man by the name of Saul in Acts chapter 9 killing Christians. Killing Christians. In fact, we find in Acts chapter one, 8, verse 1, that this man Saul was giving license. He was giving permission. He was giving his authoritative consent to the martyr of the first man in the New Testament, a man by the name of Stephen. And in Acts chapter 9, we find, and why don't you just go there with me? We'll just put our eyes on the scripture and there will be done. I want to waken your faith this morning, Antioch. That's what I want to do. I got an assignment over these next few weeks to awaken your faith. And, into the invitations of Christ. In Acts chapter nine, verse one, it says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Here's a man who God was not even on his radar, who loving God and pressing into God, it wasn't even anywhere on the radar. He could have cared. In fact, he was an enemy of God. He says it like this in Timothy. He says that God has had grace and mercy on us all, but he has had more grace and mercy on me because I was the chief of sinners. 
He had a revelation of how far away he was from God, that God in his depravity and in his distance from God, God chased him, God found him. God is on a hunt for your life. On one side of the coin, we, we see a man who was aware of God. We see a man who was aware of his spiritual tradition. We see a man who, uh, you know, he had some type of interaction with God. On the other side of the spectrum, we have a man who is as far from God as you could get. Some of you, and I know that we pray this all the time, we pray for our lost loved ones, we pray for our prodigal children, but I, I am linking and yoking my faith together with you. There are husbands that must encounter God this year. And I am praying into that like never before. This Thursday night in LGL2, a solemn spirit of intercession entered in that room with, with weeping, with weeping, with, with the travail of tears, a solemn spirit of intercession. And I'm here to tell you today that we must have a holy movement of intercession to agree with the things that God wants for us. We must, we must participate we must bear the burden of his heart. We must weep the things that he weeps. God weeps over the lost children that are far from the house of God, that are far from the life of God. He weeps over the lost spouses, the lost wives, the lost husbands. And this year I am saying, I am blowing a prophetic trumpet. We are believing that God will meet them on a road and they will never be the same again. Some of the best evangelists on the earth have yet to have an encounter with God. I just feel this by the unction of the Lord. There are some missionaries, there are some closed countries that are waiting for man to give his life to Christ. I don't think you heard what I said today. There are literally lost people that are crying out and the person that has come to, to come to bring them their message has not even had an encounter with Christ yet. They don't even know. This is the story of Paul. This is the story of Paul. The Gentiles were crying out for the grace of the gospel and the man through whom it was to come had not yet encountered Christ. I've heard me say this before, but I believe that many of the times that we find in the book of Acts where people were gathering in prayer meetings and they were pressing through and they were breaking through and they were, they were possessing something in the realm of the spirit. I believe that he is the fruit of many of the corporate prayer meetings that took place under the spirit of persecution. This man was birthed. Never underestimate the power of your prayer. Never underestimate what takes place in a seemingly insignificant moment of prayer when you get together in the spirit of faith and agreement with people of like heart and people of like spirit. I'm here to tell you things in eternity are affected. They are shaped. The culture of eternity and the culture of the kingdom rests and rises on the prayers of God's faithful ones. He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed. Father, today we are asking you for suddenly encounters. Let's all just stand to our feet. We are asking you for suddenly encounters. We are asking you today, God, that in moments that we least expect it, I'm asking, I am praying in, we are praying in to moments when we least expect it. Our sons and daughters, when they're out there getting high or they're in a club or they're in a car with their friends or even on a basketball court, we are asking in moments when we least expect it, when we're not looking for it, that you would hunt us down. We are asking you today for encounters with the living God. 
Father, not religious encounters, not another church service, but God, in the vehicle of a church service, we want that vehicle to take us to the destination of your heart. We are hard after your heart. We are hard after your heart, God. We are hard after your heart. And I'm asking you for the grace to be hard after your heart. I'm asking you for the grace to be hard after your heart, God. Father, we rebuke every assignment of distraction that comes from the enemy. We rebuke every spirit of offense that keeps us, like your word says, like a man who is behind a a wall because the spirit of offense builds walls in our hearts. And we are asking today that you would tear down the wall of offense, that you would rip away the blinders that keep us blinded from the light and the life of the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Put a hunger inside of us. Oh, Antioch, taste and see that the Lord is good. God, we declare that you're good, but we want to know more of your goodness. Father, we're praying for encounters. We say yes. We say we receive. We say that we're excited. We say that we're expectant. We say that you can can show up and visit us whenever you want, but we're not going to leave all the work to you. Holy Spirit of God, we're going to set appointments with you that we're going to keep. We're going to set appointments with you because we know that you want to encounter us. And so we're going to participate with that. And I'm asking God on the personal level and on the marriage level, I pray marriages encounter you. God, I pray that this marriage in Wheat Richmond weekend, it would, be a, it would be a weekend like none other. It would be a weekend where husbands and wives will be in the face of Jesus. It would be a weekend where husbands and wives, God, that they share your heart together. It won't, it won't just be a weekend of the transfer of knowledge. It will be a weekend where husbands and wives, they, they, they meet together with the living God. Father, we pray for this men's breakfast in just one week. Father God, you could strip all the food away. We want to sit at the table of the Lord. We want to encounter the face of God. I pray that men would be activated into commanders, into chiefs, into leaders, into lovers, into warriors, into worshipers in a moment. Father, I'm asking for every life group, God, that today would mark a day of a significant transition, that in every life group, the presence of God would come, the tabernacle of God would come, the ark of God would come, and it would rest in homes. It would rest in homes, that there would be a greater measure of deliverance that comes in our life groups, that there would be a greater measure, God, of the spirit of the living God moving, moving in evangelism, moving in prophecy, moving in healing, moving in power, moving around the presence of the living God. God, I'm asking you today at our corporate gatherings with Generation Church and Nexus and our children, Father, that we would, we would that the ark of God would be present, that you would encounter us, O oh living God. O oh living God, encounter us. And Father, we pray that as we go out of these doors, that in our workplace, in our marketplace, in our schools, insurance agencies, construction businesses, God, Father, whatever it is or our assignment is, we take the ark with us. We take the ark with us, God. We take it with us. And Father, we pray, show us how to create a climate. Show us how to create a culture in our workplace. Father, where people people start to touch something that is unfamiliar to them. They They start to put their hands on something that awakens their hearts. And we pray today for those in our city. We pray, Father, for the lost ones walking in our city. That God, that the ark of God would go to Palmer and the ark of God would go to Doherty and UCCS and Colorado College. 
that the ark of God would come to homes and families, that the ark of God would come, Father, to every place that we show up, every place we go to is a place to bring the ark, to military bases, God, the Air Force Academy, Fort Carson, Peterson, Shriver. Father, we declare that where we go, we take your ark. 